0: Welcome to CT Church. This message was recorded during our Sunday service. We hope you enjoy this presentation. I'm kicking off 2021 with a series entitled Our Sword and Our Shield. We have had a tremendous response uh, Church wide to our chronological Bible reading plan for 2021. And so I thought it was important to uh, spend the first part of 2021 talking about the importance of reading God's Word, learning how to really study the Bible, and learning how to make sure that we know how to fully apply it into our everyday lives. And uh, here's some of the topics we're going to be looking at over the next several weeks. This morning is Kind of an introductory kickoff to this series, kind of an overview of our topic in general. But the second of the series is going to be the inspiration of the Bible. How do I know the Bible is really true, that I can trust my life to it? Then we're going to talk about the foundation of the Bible. What is the basic purpose of God's Word in our life? then we're going to talk about the illumination of the Bible. How does, in God's word, how does he illuminate my mind so that I can understand what he's saying in the Bible? How many of you have ever read the same scripture? Many, many times, but all of a sudden one day, because of your life circumstance, just God gives you something completely new and fresh that you never gleaned from that before. That's God's illumination of his word in our life. We're going to talk about the interpretation of the Bible. Man, this is so important. Uh, How do you really know what a particular Bible verse means? Too often you hear someone say, well, you know, that's just, that's your interpretation of the Bible. And, you know, I get get nervous when I hear people say that. You know, it's as if everybody is entitled to their own special and unique interpretation of God's word. And I, I want to tell you, there are correct ways to interpret the Bible, and there are incorrect ways to interpret God's Word. When you start interpreting, interpreting God's Word incorrectly, what you end up with is a cult. And we've got plenty of them, right? Then we're going to talk about the integration of God's Word. How do I put the Bible into uh, use in every area of my life, at work, at school, at home, in my family, in my finances, every part. And then we're going to talk about the application of the Bible. How can I use the Bible in very specific ways? How to use the Bible to make daily decisions in life? To how to use the Bible to overcome temptations in life or to give wise counsel to people in our lives? But the title of my message this morning is Building My Life on God's Word. So here we go. Building my life on God's Word. Jesus had just ended the most famous sermon ever preached. His Sermon on the Mount. And he ends it with a story of these two guys who went out and they built themselves what? Houses. It's a good thing you're all here this morning. They built themselves houses. And apparently they built the exact same type of house. The main difference was that they built them on different... Oh, now now it's all coming together. Build them on different foundations. One guy built his on solid rock. The other guy built his on... See, this is participatory this morning. And then the huge storm came along, right? And the trials and the storms of life that come in our life, I mean, it was like a tsunami that hit those homes, and the one that was built on the rock remained... uh, standing but the one built on the sand it crumbled like a house of cards right and then right after telling this story Jesus said this everyone who hears these words of mine in other words the bible everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like that wise man who built his house upon the rock Matthew 7:24 and that's what i want us to look at today How do we build our lives on the Bible so that we know that we know that we're building on the solid foundation of rock? So when the storms of life hit, and we all know they are going to hit, right? We will be able to withstand them and not get swept away. Now, none of us know exactly what's going to happen later today tomorrow, next year for that matter, but I can almost guarantee you this, there's going to be some storms that hit in light of present or or very recent political events. I'll guarantee you there's going to be some big storms that hit our lives in the next year, in the few coming years. I guarantee there's going to be some major storms. Now, among those, you might have some emotional storms in your life. Health storms, financial storms, relationship storms. There's going to be some political storms. And most likely, it's going to be a combination. You'll experience a combination of a few of those. There's going to be storms that hit our life. And if your life isn't built on rock, you're going to crumble. You cannot build your life on popular opinion. How many of you old enough, you've got that, you figured that out. Boy, when we're young, there's a great temptation to build our life on popular opinion. Just go with the flow. Go with the crowd. You can't build your life on cultural shifts. You can't even build your own life on your own ideas and your own principles. If you try it, it's going to end up in ruin. Your life has to be built on an unchanging truth. Or you cannot sustain yourself. And the deal is this. There is only one source on this entire planet of unchanging truth. And that is the Bible. It is the only source of unchanging truth. Everything else changes in our lives and in this world. So if you have your Bibles in whatever format you have, electronic or the old-fashioned one that you actually turn pages, I want you to turn this morning to James chapter 1, first chapter of James. We're going to be looking this morning at verses 19 through 25. Just these few verses, they do a great job of showing us how to build our lives on the Bible. And the short answer is found in how God kind of wired us and created us. But God gave each of us, we have five senses He gave us. Hearing, sight, smelling, taste, and touch, right? How many of you this morning are currently having a little trouble with the smelling and the tasting part? Some of us, you know, Janet and I, uh, we've been COVID negative for a month now, and yet I'm still having trouble in those two areas. I don't taste good, and I don't smell good. (laughs) That's a problem, right? I'm just not smelling very good. That's why I can't taste. But everything, everything, stop and think about this for just a minute. Everything, anytime you hear that word, you need to pay attention. That's a very inclusive word. Everything that you have ever learned or everything that you know has come directly through one or a combination of those five senses. Everything. That's how we encounter life, right? God wants you to learn to encounter His Word with every one of your senses, and we find Him here in James 1, 19-25. I want to start with verses 19-21. through It says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. So this morning, we're going to, in this, in this kind of overview message, we're going to look at five ways to receive and build our lives on the Bible. The first one is this. Here's the first way we build our life on God's word. We receive it, with our ears don't we verse 19 says be quick to listen that's how the verse starts that means we have to use our ears then it tells us says be quick to listen and accept the word that is planted in us we can't just hear the word and let it bounce off of us and think we're going to grow in our relationship with God but how many of you have ever been guilty of hearing God's word, but you just kind of let it bounce off? Got six honest people in here. We've all been guilty of that from time to time. We, it, it takes concerted effort on our part to hear his word and really let it absorb. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more, but We have to accept God's word as truth, and as the word says, we have to let it become planted in us. If we don't let it get planted, every storm constantly washes it away. I think it's interesting that so often in in the Bible, the scriptures are compared to seeds being planted. You find it over and over throughout the word. The seed is God's word, but the soil is our heart's. In the parable of the sower that Jesus taught, he he said that receiving the word is actually like a a seed being planted in your life. Now, I would tell you right up front here when it comes to gardening, I hate gardening. Any people here that love to garden? See, bless your hearts, we're all different. I hate to garden. I do not enjoy gardening. I, every year I tend to replant the, I've told you this before, I, I kind of replant the same things every year. Because every year, Janet will say something like this. She said, you know, it's going to get below freezing tonight. You need to go out and cover the plants. And then I say, ah, I don't think it'll get cold enough to kill them. Uh, they'll be fine. And so that's why every spring I go out and I replant all the dead frozen plants. Anybody else do stuff like that? But I, here's what I do know about planting is that you can, take, you can take the exact same type of seed and you could plant these seeds in three different locations. The Bible talks about this and you could get three radically different results. You take some tomato seeds, you might plant them in one area and get just humongous juicy red tomatoes. You could take the same seeds and plant them in other soil and maybe you get red tomatoes, but they're half the size. Or you could toss them somewhere else and get absolutely nothing. So what is the difference? We know the difference wasn't the seed. The seeds were all the same, right? That means the difference was the soil. Some soil was better prepared to receive that seed than others. And if you want good results, then you have to properly Prepare the soil, right? It needs to be broken up. It needs to be, you know, mulched, and it needs to be fertilized, and it needs to be properly weeded and maintained, and, and that's why I don't like to garden. Too much to do. Now, here's you know, here's some theological reasoning from Pastor Doug. It's not in the Bible. I just believe it to be theologically sound. If God had intended us to go through all of that, just to eat a tomato, he would not have given us H-E-B. Right? But the point is this, the soil has to be prepared if you're going to get good results, and the same is certainly true for us to hear from God. Our hearts have to be prepared Properly. you might have come to church this morning maybe you were running late because the alarm didn't go off or you hit the snooze too many times you got up you're running late to church you're trying to get the kids out of the house they're giving you fits everybody's hollering and screaming or maybe you just right in the car on the way to church got into a big old fight anybody know anything about that? Satan oh he loves to get a family in a fight in the car on the way to church man If he can do that, he's won the war that day. And then you get to church, there's no close parking spots, it's raining outside, nasty day like today, and just everything has kind of gotten you in a bad mood. And you finally, you get into church, you sit down and you say, okay, God, I'm ready to receive. Chances are very good that you are not ready to receive anything. Because the soil hasn't been properly prepared. I mean, that's why two different people can leave church on a Sunday morning and you might hear one person as they're walking out say, boy, i tell you that, man, that message of Pastor Doug, I just spoke to my heart. And you hear somebody else walking out and they say, boy, I'll tell you what, that sermon today was a clinker. What do you think the difference is? It had to be that one of them wasn't prepared to hear and receive because we all know it couldn't have been me. I've never preached a clinker in my life. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Two man's out of a hundred. I am, I'm hitting it pretty good. I read an article one time called Getting Good Reception in Church. Getting Good Reception. They had a picture of a TV set with the old rabbit ears. Who's old enough to remember those old rabbit ears? You know, and the picture's fuzzy and, and so you're the kids. So you're the one up there adjusting. And then, and then finally your dad's like, right, right there, don't move. It actually reminds me of an old joke that I've told before, but I'll repeat it because I like it. Did you hear about the two radio antennas that fell in love and got married? Well, the wedding wasn't all that great, but the reception was incredible. (laughs) That's comedy right there. I don't care. Anyway, we'll move on since you're all rolling in the floor from that joke. The gist of the article was that in order for us to to hear from God, we have to have good reception, and it listed four attributes that we need for good reception, and every one of them is found in the scripture we just read. In this book, it said to receive, to have good reception from God, first of all, we must be quiet. A lot of times we have a hard time doing that. In order to hear God speaking to us, we can't be busy doing all the talking. Verse 19, it began by saying, be quick to what? Listen and slow to speak. Oftentimes our lives are exact opposite. We're very quick to speak, much slower to listen. Janet has told me in the past, you know, Doug, when your yapper is running, you're not listening. Can you believe that? Or it was something like that. I forget, I was busy talking at the time. But (laughs) she said something along that line. In any case, it's very true that we need to be quiet a lot more often than we probably are. Because we're not going to hear God's word if we're busy running our yapper, right? Secondly, in order to get good reception from God, it says we must be calm. That's interesting, don't you think? We need to be calm. In verse 19, it says it tells us, be slow to anger. The opposite of being slow to anger is being calm. If you're angry about something, you're not calm at all, are you? Have you ever noticed that when you are angry, you don't hear very well? Now, why is that? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you here's why you don't hear very well at all or if any when you're angry because when you're angry about something you are not interested in listening you are interested in building your case of why you are angry that's why you don't listen well when you're angry you're not you're not at that moment you could care less about listening you've got a point to prove and that's why that's what got you angry right but when you're emotionally uh, relaxed and just calm You have no problem hearing what someone else is saying. And the same thing is true about getting into God's Word. If our attitude is always, uh, well, God, I tell you what, I got about two minutes. If you want to speak to me, you need to do it right now. Hurry up. And sometimes that is our attitude. Whether you want to admit it or not, we've all been there. Chances are very good we're not going to hear a thing because God knows right at that moment, He already knows you've got something on your mind that you think is more important than hearing from him because you're giving him a time limit. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Say that with me. Be still and know that I am God. Now those are God's words. See, if if I was God, I have my own interpretation of that verse. It is this, sit down and shut up. God is so much kinder than me, isn't he? That's kind of my interest. Sit down and shut up. I read one time that quiet listening actually lowers your blood pressure. Did you know that? Quiet listening lowers your blood pressure. Talking a lot raises your blood pressure. Food for thought for some of you that have high blood pressure. Something to think about. The third thing it says we need in our life to receive from God is we must be clean. That's interesting, isn't it? Is this saying that if you haven't showered for a week, you cannot hear or glean anything from God? Absolutely not. That's not what it's saying. Just because you haven't showered for a week does not mean you cannot glean from the sermon. It just means you'll be sitting in your own pew. Now that's church comedy on a couple different levels there. Just think about it for a minute. Even though we took out our pews. The fact that we need to be clean to receive from God, that simply means we can't have this mountain of junk and sin piled up in our life and then expect to hear God speaking anything other than repent and get clean. In other words... I don't know who came up with this saying. I like it, so I steal it. Before you do the seeding, you've got to do the weeding. All right? When things rhyme, they're easier to memorize, aren't they? Before you do the seeding, you've got to do the weeding. Verse 21 says, is telling us to be clean. It says, get rid of all the filth and evil. In other words, get yourself cleaned up, right? The word filth, that word filth, I think, is a pretty interesting word. One of the many words in the Greek language that correspond with filth was the Greek word for earwax. That's interesting, I think. God is saying, if you can't hear me speaking to you, it's because you've got too much earwax plugging up your ears. You need to get a Q-tip and clean things out so you can hear. Not that I'm telling anyone to put a Q-tip in your ear. Because if you've noticed, right on the box of Q-tips, what does it say? Do not put these in your ear. What do these people think we're doing with those things? (laughs) That's the dumbest thing in the world, isn't it? They know what's going on with these Q-tips. I'll leave that alone, but I always find that humorous. Now don't put this in your ear. That's where it's going, right? And just so you know, it's saying get rid of the filth and the evil. Before you can meet with God, you might need to take out the garbage, so to speak. You're wanting to meet with God, it's saying get rid of all the stuff that is stinking in your life. You're never going to hear God if your mind is filled with resentment jealousy, anger, hatred, lust, pornography, all the things that are so prevalent in people's minds today. You got to get rid of the junk. And it's, here's the thing. It is so easy to spiritually take out the garbage. There's nothing mystifying about it. There's nothing laborious about it. You can take out the garbage spiritually in like 30 seconds. You simply call upon God. The Bible calls this confession. You just get real and you admit to God that you have been wrong, that you believe he's right. You've been wrong and you've got some junk in your life that you want to get rid of and you'd like him to forgive you of. It takes a matter of seconds to spiritually take out the garbage. You just ask him, we just talked about this during communion. Aren't you thankful that all you have to do is call upon his name, ask him to forgive you, and boom, that fast. If you're sincere in your heart, and you know it and he knows it, his forgiveness is just given to us. Not once, not twice. The Bible refers to 70 times seven, but how many of you are already glad it's beyond that because you probably already wore that one out even? 70 times seven is, what, it's like 490 But see, I I blew through that in the first 10 years of my life. I'm so thankful it goes beyond that. This article went on to say that the fourth attribute for good reception from God is we must be humble. Verse 21 says, humbly accept the word that has been planted in our hearts. Being humble simply means to be willing to do what God asks us. That's real humility. A prideful attitude is an attitude that says, well, God, you tell me what you want me to do, uh, but ultimately I'll decide if, that, you know, if that's going to work for me. See, that's arrogance. That's not humility. We need to come humbly before God and just be willing to do what he asks us to do. But did you know this? The average person... Forgets 95% of what they hear within 72 hours. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? Sometimes we think we're so smart. The truth is, within 72 hours, we forget 95% of what our ears hear. Now, we we may remember things that we deem to be important, but like if you had a conversation with someone and then the next day someone says, repeat everything that was said in that conversation, you won't even come close. Right? Because we forget 95% of what our ears actually hear within just a few days. That's why, that's why in our Wednesday night life groups, which begin when? This Wednesday. That's why we spend time discussing and breaking down the Sunday morning sermon because otherwise it's gone. It is so vitally important for you to be involved in a Wednesday night life group. Your spiritual growth uh, is really dependent on being placing yourselves around like believers and having these. Kind of, if you're trying to do it all on your own, you'll find out. Oftentimes, you're going to fail miserably. Surround yourselves with like believers. That's instruction from God. Get if you're not in a small a small group, a life group. All you have to do is call the church office, and we will get you hooked up. Right, Pastor Todd? Amen. Pastor Todd's in charge of our life groups. So, those are the ways that we receive reception. Now, I'm getting back to the second way that we actually build our lives on God's Word. Who here remembers what the first way was? See, 10 of you had it, and the rest is already gone. The first thing is we receive it with our ears, the second thing is we receive it with our eyes. We hear it with our ears, we read it with our eyes, right? And hear this today, you cannot grow spiritually without reading God's Word. If you're strictly depending on someone else to give you God's Word once or even twice a week, and that's as far as it goes, you're not going to grow spiritually. James 1, 22-25 says this, Not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So these four verses have given us a list of five things we should do if we want to live a blessed life. One, we need to listen to God's word. Secondly, we need to do what it says. Third, we need to look intently into his word. Four, we need to continue to do what it says. And number five, we cannot forget those things which we've heard. So let's talk about a few of these. It says, look intently into the word. James is talking about reading God's word. He's talking about God's word here. He's saying that when you read the Bible, don't just try and speed read, but let it absorb into you. You need to think about it. Maybe reread it. Let it roll around up there. Most of us have plenty of room to let it roll around. It's not so congested up there, we've got no room to let things roll around. Ponder it. He goes on to say that Bible reading is like looking in a mirror. How many of you find that interesting? I always find that verse interesting. Reading God's Word is like looking into a mirror. Now, there's several places throughout the Bible where it compares itself to a mirror. And so a good question to ask ourselves is, what is what's the purpose of a mirror? If you had to break it all down, what, the purpose of a mirror is to help us evaluate ourselves. That's a kind way of putting it, don't you think? Nine times out of 10, maybe 99 out of 100 times in our life, the purpose that a mirror serves in our life is that it helps us evaluate ourselves. Every, I would, be, I would venture to guess every single person here has already used a mirror today for that exact purpose. How many of you, let me see a show of hands, before you left the house for church today, you had first evaluated yourself in a mirror? Oh, look at that, Everybody. After that initial evaluation, how many found it necessary to make some changes? You see, I've always thought that this would make for a fantastic social behavioral study. In that, how many of you would be willing, if everyone else was willing, to simply get out of bed on a Sunday morning, put on your clothes, and come to church without ever looking into a mirror? well, we'd have plenty of space in here, wouldn't we? The purpose of a mirror is it helps us evaluate ourselves. That's why reading God's Word is like a mirror. When we look into it, when we read it, it helps us evaluate ourselves. See, when you looked into that mirror this morning, I'm going to guess it revealed some changes you needed to make. Maybe brush your hair. Wash your face. Maybe you needed to shave or put on makeup. Hopefully, you didn't have to shave and put on makeup. That's a whole nother sermon right there. But you had to do some of these things, right? There's two ways that we can look into a mirror you can glance into a mirror. You know, you're walking by. Yep, looking good. Or you can gaze into a mirror. Oh, I'm in trouble. The deeper you gaze into it, the more flaws you begin to see. Isn't that the truth? How many of you are old enough that some days you get up and you look in the mirror and I'm telling you, there's a big old flaw that wasn't there yesterday. It's like, where in the world did that come from overnight? (laughs) And it showed up overnight, but it don't go away overnight. Usually... It's there for the long haul. Whatever it is, you fill in the blank, right? See, these young kids, they don't don't even know what we're talking about, but their day's coming, right? (laughs) Where you get up in the morning and it's like, well, this is going to take some guts, but I'm going to go ahead and look in the mirror. It takes guts to do that every morning once you get old, I'll tell you. So, God doesn't want us to just glance into the mirror. He wants us to gaze into the mirror. The third way we build our life on God's word, research it with my hands and my mouth. What does that mean? There's a difference between just reading the Bible and really studying the Bible. That's why we have these Bible journals for us to read and jot down something that God speaks into your heart. Real study almost always involves more than just your eyes. It involves your hand, and your hands in your mouth quite often. I mean, real study usually involves having a pen or pencil in your hand, writing some stuff down, taking some notes, or even asking some questions, having dialogue with someone uh, about what you've been reading, what God is sharing with you. Again, Wednesday night life groups are all about researching God's word with your, your hands and your mouth, Having open dialogue with people, it's it's a great time. Every Wednesday night, you've got an opportunity to discuss things, ask questions about the Sunday morning service. service. But if you didn't take any notes, then you've already forgotten what you wanted to ask, right? You may be sitting in here saying, I'm going to ask about that in small group. If you don't jot it down, chances are good you've forgotten it. Why? Because you forget 95% in three days of everything that goes in your ear. Jot it down if you have a question. You, want to be, you don't just want to be a spectator in, in small groups. You want to be a participant in small groups for your benefit and for the benefit of everyone else. Get involved in a small group. That's what using your hands and mouth are about. The fourth way to build your life on God's word is to review and remember with your mind. Think about what verse 25 said there in James 1, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. If we're going to be blessed by God, we've got to get it planted in there and be able to remember it. Amen? if if you're really serious about becoming stronger spiritually and being the godly man or or woman amen and a woman don't get me started goodness gracious if you're serious about becoming a godly man or a godly woman, he wants you to be uh He wants one of the single greatest habits that you develop is the habit of memorizing his word. Hide his word in your heart so you won't sin against him. We've got to get it planted in there. Why is it important to have the word in your heart? I'll tell you why. Because 99.9% of the time when you really need a Bible, you're not going to have one in your hands. I would tell you from personal experience, Satan rarely if ever tempts me when I'm when I have a Bible in my hand and I'm reading God's word the times he's going to come against you and tempt you you can take it to the bank you're not going to have a Bible in your hand you've got yourself in some situation that maybe you couldn't help or maybe a situation that you just planted yourself right in the middle of because you're strong enough and you can withstand any uh, attacks from the devil because that's just who you are and you're so powerful And bang, that's when he's going to hit, right? Satan is always more likely to tempt us when we don't have a Bible in our hands. Now, you may think, I hear so many people say, well, I I just can't do it. I've got a lousy memory. And so you kind of get this built-in excuse for not remembering Scripture. But chances are, chances are, your memory is a whole lot better than you think it is. Did you know that? Your mind, your brain is a muscle. And the more you exercise it, the stronger it gets, just like any other muscle in your body. I know this for a fact. My dad thought I was incredibly smart, I guess. Oftentimes he would say, hey, listen, muscle head. So he must have thought I was just super smart. Is the only thing I can figure out. So chances are very good your memory is way, way better than you think it is. In fact, I can only speak from personal experience. Sometimes I get aggravated at myself over some of the stupid things I remember. Because I'm like everyone else. I have to really kind of dig in and, boy, uh, memorizing scripture, let it penetrate, go over it. But not everything in life is like that. And with me, it's music. I've got some of the most stupid songs in my brain that you could ever imagine. They've been there for 40, 50 years, and they're just there. It's not that I think about them every day, but boy, if I hear an intro come on the radio, bang, the words are right there. I haven't thought about it in years. And I used this illustration a couple years ago, but it it really exemplifies my point here. I mean, I'm just sometimes embarrassed that I can fully remember some of the words to the most dumb, stupidest songs, if stupidest is a word, ever written. I just have to hit that soundtrack. I'm going to prove it to you. I did not practice this. I just, as soon as I hear an intro to some song, the words are just there. Snap your fingers here. Listen. Brother bought a coconut, he bought it for a dime. And sister had another one, she put it for the lime. You put the lime in the coconut, you drink and bowl up. Put the lime in the coconut, drink and bowl up. Put the lime in the coconut, you drink and bowl up. Put the lime in the coconut. I called the doc and woke him up and said, Doctor, there's nothing I can take? I said, Doctor. To relieve this bellyache I said, doctor Is there nothing I can take? I said, doctor He said, now let me get this straight You put the lime in the coconut You drink a all up Put the lime in the coconut Then you feel better Put the lime in the coconut You drink a all up Put the lime in the coconut Coffee in the morning Ooh-hoo-hoo. I tell you, I did not practice that. You don't have to applaud. It's like one of the dumbest songs ever written on the history of humanity. That's an incredible song. No, it's just so stupid. Why are those words? I don't know. They just get there. So if you're having a hard time memorizing scripture, put it to music. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. <laughs> Whatever it takes, man. I guarantee you, you're going to be amazed at how much you can remember. I tell you, our, our bodies are a wondrous thing. Man, some more wonderful than others, but... Uh, you know, and it's not just that song. I mean, there's a bunch of them up there that's just equally dumb. The truth is this. We can remember things if we really put our mind to it. There's phone numbers that we remember, right? I mean, some people, I'll have guys tell me, oh, I can't memorize scripture. Then you start talking about sports. And they know statistics from the last 30 years, they go, oh, that running back, he averaged 5.7 yards a carry for, for over 10 years. And bye bye, and he's in the home, and it's like, you can't remember anything? We remember what we want to remember. That's part of it, right? We rem- Memory is a skill that we have to develop. That muscle, the more you exercise it, the stronger it becomes and if you'll attempt to memorize Scripture, it will begin to strengthen your mind and your memory ability. I I guarantee it. And finally, I close with this, the fifth way to build our life on God's Word. Respond to it with your actions. Verse 22 in James 1 said, Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says i tell you, there's people that aren't going to enter the gates of heaven that can memorize and recite more Scripture than any of us put together. we got to put it into, act, into action. We have to accept it as truth. We have to act upon it. And this verse raises the common question. Well, says, how do, how do we deceive ourselves? If all we do is hear the gospel of Jesus, but we don't really apply it to our lives, we are deceiving ourselves into thinking we're okay because we've heard it. But we're not okay because we're not doing it. We talk all the time about how God has asked us to be faithful in our finances through tithing and giving to missions. But I'll tell you, if all you do is hear about it and you never do it, you're deceiving yourself. I thought that offering illustration was fantastic today because I am a lifelong St. Louis Cardinals fan. That was a great illustration. God commands us to be doers of the word. You know, one of the most common ways that people deceive themselves is by reading God's word, but then they decide to pick and choose what parts they want to really believe or follow. That's deceiving ourselves. We accept it as a whole or we reject it. There's no in-between. So we are commanded to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. Churches all over the world are filled with people that have heard all the sermons a hundred different ways up and down, but they haven't changed a thing in their life. So let's go back to that story that we started with today in Matthew 24, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a mighty crash. You know, none of us know what storms are going to come into our lives. The only thing we do know is that storms are going to come and go. It's just a part of life. There are no storm-free lives, amen? If your life... Isn't built on a solid foundation. If it's not built on the Word of God, at some point it is coming crashing down with a mighty thud. If you're not going to find the solid foundation for life, uh, you're, or I, I should say, you're not going to find a solid foundation for life in other people's opinions. It's not, you're not going to find it on what's popular on TV. It's not going to be found in the prevailing culture. Certainly not going to be found in politics these days. The only thing that is true and right and solid and never changing is the Word of God. The absolute only thing. When you build your life on truth, if it was true a thousand years ago, it'll still be true a thousand years from now. Because truth is doesn't change. It is absolutely the rock on which we have to build our lives. Amen? And where is the one place we find unchanging truth? God's Word. You have been listening to CT Church in San Antonio, Texas. This recording was presented in the context of our Sunday service. For more information, please visit us at ctagsa.com. Connect with us on Facebook or call us at 210-657-3578.